You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Okay, I want to um, I want to give you this message tonight, and this message is my life right now. Okay, so it's something that God is doing in my world, in my life at this moment, and so I want to share it with you because what God is doing in me, I want him to do in you. I want him to move in your life. I want him to reveal things that he's never revealed before. I want him to open up something in your heart. I want him to place that fire that makes you never stop, that makes you never quit, that makes you want to get up every morning and fight for the families and the people and the children of our city. And this is what God is doing. And like Pastor Michael was saying, we're, we're entering into a season of I guess politics you could say, but it's more of a season of influence. Right now, what we're doing is rebuilding our nation. We live in the greatest nation on planet earth that God has called and appointed for such a time as this. The rest of the world looks at what we do and we have to change some things. In order to change some things, we can't just sit on the sidelines and complain about what is happening. We have to get in the fight. We have to get involved. And a lot of times that is uncomfortable. See, my, my wife will tell you this. My biggest problem with getting involved in politics was how much it was going to take away from my hunting season. <laughs> Dude, I'm not kidding. I already had to say no to one trip, and it was a trip that I love so much. But I had to understand, if I, if I want to motivate people to get involved and do something significant, I have to lead the way in doing that. I have to set the example for what it looks like. So I want to, the title of this message, and I want to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. But the title of this message tonight is Our Finest Hour. It's Our Finest Hour. So I'm going to read basically the whole chapter of uh, 1 Samuel 17, and I'm going to skip through, and uh, so you guys can try to keep up. I'm sorry if you can't, just you're going to get it, all right? So we'll just, we'll go from there. But let me pray. God, I thank you for this night. I thank you for what you're doing here. God, I thank you that in this place there is something new that you're going to inject on the inside of our spirits. God, a new faith is going to rise up that anything is possible, that you are with us. And if you are with us, who or what can stand against us? God, I pray that you would speak through me. Let it not be my words tonight. Let it be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So listen, this is in 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is a story of David and Goliath that everybody knows. But I want to read this to you because this is what God is doing in my world and in my life. Basically, David shows up to the battlefield and and the Bible talks about Goliath and how big he was and how strong he was and how tough he was and, and his armor and his weapons and everything like that. In verse 14, David shows up because his father asked him to take some cheeses and breads to his brothers. It's amazing what serving gets you into. It's amazing what the ability to serve puts you in front of. All he was doing was taking cheeses, and next thing you know, he's fulfilling his destiny. That's not in, in my notes, but that is something I believe God wants to say, especially in the season that you are in right now. And man, especially everybody who is a part of setting up and tearing down and, and in 115 degree heat in that tent or, or freezing cold temperatures in that tent and everything, actually not everything in between, just hot or cold. But you guys might have thought you were just serving Jesus, but you were getting to a place of your destiny and doing that. So David shows up to the battlefield 
In verse 23, it says, Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. In verse 24, this is one of the first kind of points I want to hit on. It says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. I wrote in my Bible here years ago, right next to the side, and I wrote, everyone has run away. What will I do? And as I was preparing this message and looking at that, it reminded me when I wrote that down was years before I even thought that I would be getting involved in what I'm getting involved in. See, the, the race that I'm getting involved in, somebody had backed out of it because it looked too overwhelming. And when I read that uh, yesterday, when I read that again, it reminded me that everyone's running away. What will you do? When they saw the opposition, they ran away. Okay, my favorite movies are Lord of the Rings. So I, uh, I'll watch them, rewatch them, rewatch them, rewatch them, rewatch them. So in the second Lord of the Rings, the Twin Towers, at the end of the movie, the enemy is winning. They're killing off the people of Rohan. And Aragorn, who becomes the king, who didn't want to be king, and the third movie becomes king, he's there with the king of Rohan. And the king of Rohan is, is suffering defeat, and he looks, and he has this moment, and he says this, what can man do against such reckless hate? It's kind of what we're seeing today. What can men do against such reckless hate? And I love what Aragorn says, who's appointed as king in that time. He says, you can ride out. Ride out and meet them. Ride out and face them. And the king, not knowing where he was, he says, yes, for pride and glory. And Aragorn says, no, for your people. And he musters this strength on the inside of a king who only saw defeat. He saw new fire come on the inside of him. When everybody runs away, what will you do? When everybody moves, what will you do? The easy decision right now, and I'm not trying to knock on you if you're about to move, but maybe I am a little bit. When everybody is moving to another state because California is losing their mind, what will you do? When everybody's afraid, where will you go? If we leave, what happens? See, listen, our kids are in school. We could have left. But we decided not to, because what about the kids that can't leave? What about the single moms and the single parents and the people that have no place to go? If we leave, who will fight for them? If our church shuts its doors, who will bring breakthrough to a city? If we don't fight, who will? And we see this moment take place when everybody runs, but a teenage boy is the only one who shows up the most overlooked, the most insignificant, the person who didn't have all the qualifications, but he was just the most available at the moment. He was the person that said, when everybody else will run away, I will run too. When everybody else will sit down, I will stand up. When everybody else will stay silent, I will speak up. What will you do in that face of opposition when things are not right, when things are not going the way they should, when people are saying the wrong things, what will be said of you? We see this take place in his life. So David goes on. 
And he says, I'm going to fight this giant and, and his brother, just like people do. His brother looks at him and says, who are you? Why do you think you can make a difference as big brothers do? And I love what this teenage boy says. He looks at him in, I think, verse 29. He says, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? When you do something that other people are afraid to do, they might hate you for it. But that doesn't mean you don't do it. I'm sure you're the same as me. You're sitting in a wake in church right now. You're the same as me. You've probably lost a lot of friends in the last couple years. Family members that don't speak to you. That's why Jesus says, who's my father? Who is my mother? Who is my brother? It's not necessary about the blood that flows in your veins. Jesus says, it's those who do the will of my father. Those are my new brothers. Those are my new sisters. David says, what have I done now? Is there not a cause to fight? Is there not a cause to step onto this battlefield? Is there not a cause to do what everybody says is impossible? Is there not a cause? So David goes to King Saul. And Saul looks at him and says, how can you do this? Who do you think that you are? And David tells him the enemies he's defeated when the lion or bear rose up. When this enemy rose up, I struck them, I killed them, I did this. And that's all good, but then, then in verse 33, sorry, in verse uh, 37, David says this, which I think is the more powerful thing. He says, moreover, basically, more than what I've done, let me tell you who my God is. I'm qualified to fight this fight, not just because of what I have done, I'm qualified to fight it because of who my God is. How many times are we trying to qualify ourselves by what we have done when all we need is just what God has done in our lives? Who God is in our world. I can't make a difference. I haven't done anything significant. Moses says, I can't speak. I have a stutter. You can make a difference just by who God is. And David says, moreover, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Let me tell you about what my God has done, who my God is. And the reason I can fight this fight, what is your fight tonight? What is the fight? What is the Goliath God has called you to fight? What is it? Is it addiction in your family? Is it for the city? Is it for the children? Is it for prosperity in your life? What is the giant that is in front of you? And what are you using to fire you up to make sure you can stand on that battlefield and look at that giant and say, I might not have done anything yet, but let me tell you how great my God is. So then Saul tries to put his armor on David, and this part is the most amazing part. He puts it on him, and David walks around. The Bible says he tries to walk around and says, I can't walk in this. And so he takes it off. So as we're kind of getting in the political scene, everybody who's a professional politician will tell you, it's all about endorsements. Who can you get to endorse you? The names you can get. One of these forms you got to fill out and pledge all these different things. And I was reading this form and talking to my wife about it and said, I don't feel right about this. I said, okay, God, I need you to speak to me about this. And God says, it's, it's Saul trying to put on 
armor on David. And he revealed this to me and saying, listen, you don't need anybody else's endorsement. You got mine. This was a moment in David's life that everything changed. David was anointed to fight that because he had a choice right there. You can go on the battlefield in armor. And listen, Saul had the best intentions. But just because somebody has the best intentions does not mean it's from God. Saul had the best intentions, but David said, I can't fight the way I'm called to fight if I'm wearing an armor that is not mine. David steps on the battlefield with nothing but God behind him. We made a decision that the most important endorsement we can ever get is God. The most important voice we can have in our life is God. So David steps on the battlefield and it describes this scene. And it's pretty cool where he walks out and the Bible says that Goliath came and his armor bearer went before him. Now, if you know about armor bearers in the Bible, they, they wouldn't just kind of stand there with a shield. They would also have weapons and they would also fight. Jonathan's armor bearer fought with Jonathan. Armor bearers would fight with the person they were serving. We hear in the Bible that it talks about Goliath's armor bearer going before him, but we never hear about him after that. Which means he was never a part of the fight. He was never part of the fight. And listen, this is what I believe. It doesn't say it, but this is what I believe. And I believe this is true. I believe that he's not a part of the story because David didn't pay him any attention. He understood that if he gave attention to the armor bearer, that the enemy might catch on to what he's doing. And he would never take down the enemy if he focused on the armor bearer. What that means is this. How many times are we focusing on the small battle that you and I are not meant to focus on? The little thing that's in our way, that gets all of our attention when God says, I put a giant there. How many times are we not facing our Goliath because we're just trying to fight that spirit of paying the rent? How many times are we not facing our real Goliath because we're just trying to fight that small battle? And God says, if you just fight that big giant, I will take care of everything else. When my wife and I were talking about doing this, this race, getting involved, we were thinking, okay, how are we going to pay this? How are we going to do that? Because it has to be a full-time job to do this. And God revealed this to me. He said, if you just focus on Goliath, I will take care of the rest. Every one of us has a Goliath. What is your giant tonight? What is the thing God has called you and anointed you and appointed you to take down? And what is that armor bearer that's standing in the way that's getting all your attention? And God says, stop worrying about that little giant when I have that big Goliath. If you just try to take down that giant in your life, I will take care of the rest. I will take care of the little thing. I am guilty of us. How many of times do we pay that God would provide money to pay the rent? And all of our time and all of our focus and all of our energy and everything goes into just trying to figure out a way to pay the rent. And God says, if you would just stop trying to fight that little battle and take down the giant I put in your life, I promise you'll get taken care of. And we never end up doing the thing that God has called us to do to face the real giant, the family line that you need to break, that addiction that you need to do away with, 
that fear that's been in your family for generation and generation and generation. And paying the rent is keeping you from breakthrough in your generation. If we could understand and figure out, God, what is this giant that I'm facing? What is this battle that you've called me to? What is this thing that you've placed in my life? And how do I get through it? How do I face it? How do I overcome it? How do I defeat it? God says, fight the battle I've called you to and I will provide. And then David steps out onto the battlefield and he picks a fight. You have to understand it's a 14, 15 year old dude. Steps on the battlefield with eight, nine, 10 foot giant. And Goliath is told about how great his armor is and how great his spear is and his armor bearer and how amazing everything is and how he's a man of war from his youth. And I love what David does. He steps onto the battlefield and he doesn't pick a fight with the weapons that he brought. He picks a fight with how great his God is. He says, you have defied the armies of the living God and today I will take your head from your shoulders. He speaks to him with so much confidence because he knows that the God that is inside of him is greater than anything that's around him. What is the giant that we're facing right now? What, is it, what has God called you to? What's the giant over our city? What's the giant over this campus? What is the thing that is standing in the way of breakthrough tonight? When you're, if you're serving and you're on a team, what is the giant that your pastors have asked you to take down? And what is keeping you in the way? Well, I don't think I have the time. And so all of our focus and our energy goes on the time when God has called us to help and partner with our pastors to take down the giant over this city. He comes and he faces this giant. And here's, here's the thing. For Israel, at that moment, because we read before that when David would come out and the giant would come out, that everybody was afraid and everybody ran. For Israel, it was their final hour. It was it. It was over. But for one small, insignificant boy, it was his finest hour. Some people think the time that we live in right now is horrible to be alive. You might be guilty of saying, I don't want to bring a child into this world because it's so messed up. I hope tonight something inside of your heart can change because this is not the church's final hour. This is the church's finest hour. This is not your business's final hour. This is your business's finest hour. This is not the moment you shrink back. This is not the moment you run away. This is not the moment you try to fight a fight that's insignificant. This is the moment you dig deep inside of yourself and find what is the giant that God has called you to fight? What is the battle that is bigger than you? What is the thing that requires everything inside of you to rise up and say, not on my watch, not while I live, not while I'm alive. When you get a fire on the inside of you, like David had a fire on the inside of you, it doesn't matter what's standing against you. Let me say this, that a lot of you right now will have a seed. There might be not something big, 
that you have. But God has, and the Bible talks about a mustard seed. God has a mustard seed. And to you, it might look something insignificant. Well, my giant's not that big. But let me, let me tell you about the Bible saying that do not despise small beginnings. Because if you give God that mustard seed of that vision, of that dream, of that passion, he will take a seed that nobody can see and he will turn it into a tree that nobody can hide. If you understand that if you take what is in your hand, that little dream that you think is insignificant, I own a coffee shop. I serve cappuccinos. And now we're about to run for a federal office. I serve cappuccinos. But I gave God that cappuccino. I gave God that business. On December 7th of 2020, at night, my wife and I sat up and said, we have to give everything. We have to give this to him. In fact, right before that, Pastor Jurgen said, I want you to give an, an offering, a stick it to the devil 2020 offering. This was six months into COVID and we had nothing. We had just started a restaurant. And if you in the restaurant or the beauty industry, it sucked for a while. Basically, they said, hey, you can make no money. Sweet. And Pastor Jurgen said, give, it, give a stick it to the devil $2,000 offering. So we did. We gave that, and it was right after that that they tried to shut us down, and we said no. And God turned our mustard seed that nobody could see into a tree that nobody could hide. If you give God your everything, if you give him what is in your hand, if you go what David did and say, oh, I'm just a shepherd boy, all I got is five smooth stones and a sling. But God, wherever you want to send me, I will go. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Wherever you want me to serve, I will serve. And he changes the course of history for a nation by just his willingness to say, here am I, send me. Use me. Use what I have in my hand. Use what I have in my heart. Use my passion to not quit, to not back down. I was a little bit of a, a brat in high school with people in authority. I had a soccer coach that almost, I was a, a sophomore. He, he almost kicked me off of varsity because I'd talk back to him all day. Like he was so mad at me because I'd questioned everything he said. And, and at that time I thought, man, what's, what's wrong with you? You just keep questioning everything that people say. But I had no idea that God was setting me up for today. Because I had a problem with people in authority who would tell you something, but it wasn't to help you, it was to hurt you. And God was setting that up today 
to do what God has called us to do right now. I want to leave you with this. The Bible says that David takes down Goliath and Goliath falls. And he runs up to Goliath and the Bible says that David has no sword in his hand so he takes out Goliath's sword. He takes out Goliath's sword and he chops off the head of Goliath. The Bible says that David picks up the head of Goliath and takes it to Jerusalem, but the armor he puts in his tent. But everywhere David goes, he takes the head of Goliath with him. And I love this picture of what David does because I imagine that David just picks up what should have killed him, what was terrifying the nation, the very thing that people ran away from, and he carries it. He carries it as a reminder. He carries it as a testimony. He carries it as this reminder of what God can do with a little boy who says, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. And he carries this enemy with him so that all the other enemies can see that if God did it once, he can do it again. That if you mess with Israel, if you mess with San Diego, if you mess with Awakened Church, if you mess with my family, if you mess with what God has anointed and appointed, your fate will be the same. Listen, if God can do it then, he can do it now. The same God that parted the Red Seas is the same God that lives today. The same God that took down a giant is the same God that has lived today. We're trying to do something that's impossible right now. And God spoke that to us. Because people said, you can do it, but it's impossible. And we said, why? Why is it that we think God could do the impossible 2,000 years ago, but somewhere along the way he stopped? When did God change? The only time God changes is when we stop believing that he can still do it. That he can still do what everybody else says is impossible. It cannot be done. It cannot happen. It's the only time we stop seeing God move. If God did it then, if God raised the dead and took down giants and shut the mouths of lions and saved men from burning bushes and saved men from burning furnaces and did the impossible, he can still do it now. He can still save you now. He can still save your family now. He can still save a city now. He can still save a nation now. This is not our final hour. This is not your family's final hour. This is not your marriage's final hour. This is not your business's final hour. This is a moment you were born for, created for, destined for, appointed for. Let the breath of God fill your spirit. Let him awaken that giant slayer on the inside of you that says, while I breathe, I will not quit. While I'm alive, I will not stop. God, whatever you want to do, do in me. Use me. But God is looking for somebody with the faith of David. Who will he find? Will he send you? Can he visit you in the middle of the night? 
and put a dream that's so big on the inside of your spirit that it terrifies you. When God is looking for somebody to dream and to go and to do what nobody else has done, can he send you? Can he use you? Can you stand to your feet tonight? This is not the church's final hour. This is not your final hour. It's the greatest time to be alive. A lot of people say that this is the worst time to be alive. And and we should use that because if God knows the beginning from the end, and before you were born, he knew you, And if God knew that this was going to be one of the craziest times to be alive, God's a strategist, smartest guy in the world, universe, obviously. If it was the craziest time to be alive, don't you think that God would send his best in the worst? Which means this, if this is the worst time to be alive, you better pat yourself on the back because you're the best he's got. It is not a mistake that you were born at this hour. It is not a mistake that you were born at this time. It is not a mistake that you belong to this church. Somebody, I thank God every day that we are at this church because if it wasn't for this house, if it wasn't for our leaders, if it wasn't for our team, if it wasn't for this. So on that note, I want to pray for all the the, uh, directors and team leads, if I could. I think it's everyone on the front row. Just lift your hands. Stretch your hands out to your leaders right now. God, I thank you that you have called them for this time, for this moment, for this season. God, I thank you for the Van Tassels. God, I thank you for the anointing on their family. I thank you for fear being broken and destiny being stepped into. I thank you for the giants that you've placed in their life to come down in Jesus' name. I thank you that you've placed them in this time for such a time as this. And I see an unwrapping of a gift for your guys' life. I see you picking up this gift, and it's one you've never opened or ever seen before. And it's a package that God, that you're going to unwrap. It's going to be something that you've never seen. And it's going to be totally unexpected. But it's going to change your life. It's going to change the lives of peoples around you. It's going to be something that you're going to open and say, man, is this, even, this must be for the wrong person because this shouldn't be for me. And God says, no, this is for you. God has anointed you and called you for this time, for this moment, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for the shooties. I thank you for faithfulness. I thank you that your word says the faithful will abound with blessing. I thank you for increased favor on their life and what they place their hands to and what they do. Actually, can you just, if your hands are up, just come forward. I want to actually pray for you. Just come forward. If your hands are all up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever leaders are, I don't care. You can push them out, if you, whoever you want. <clears throat> just lift your hands up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And then we're going to sing um, a song whatever you guys want to sing. 
And then I want to I want to pray for all these leaders. So right now, stretch your hands out to these guys. God, I thank you for the spirit of David to come on the inside of every single one of them. A spirit of unwavering faith. A spirit of boldness. A spirit that steps onto a battlefield when everybody else runs away. I thank you for a group of leaders that look to their pastors, Pastor Michael and Lisa, and say, is there not a cause? And they'll go wherever they are sent and they will do whatever they are asked. I thank you for an anointing God I thank you for wisdom that supersedes their years. I thank you for a spirit that is placed on the inside of them. God, I thank you that even now there is a fire that God is igniting on the inside of every one of your spirits. There's a new fire that God is kindling, a new passion, because what's about to take place at this campus is going to be something that has never been seen before. What God is about to do at this campus, God is about to explode in every single way imaginable and possible. It's because of the faithful hearts of you, men and women, who said, here I am, send me. Is there not a cause? Is there not a moment? Is this not a time where I can do what God has asked me to do. Right now, in Jesus' name, God, let a fresh anointing fall on every single one of these leaders right now. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you that you are with them. I thank you right now for the Spirit of God to fall on them. A new anointing, a new power, a new presence of God right now on this family. Thank you, God, that you are with them, that you are for them. We thank you, Jesus, that all fear is broken that faith comes in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, that you're doing the impossible in their life. You're doing the impossible in their situation and their circumstances right now. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, let your anointing fall. Let your anointing fall. God, I thank you for a grace, a grace, a grace that empowers, a grace that flows right now. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you for supernatural growth in business. In Jesus' name. I thank you, God, for what you're about to do, that through the work of his hands, God, you're going to build the house. You're going to build the kingdom of God. You're going to build his house. God, that every dream that he has had will be fulfilled, that every passion and desire will be fulfilled. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you for the anointing to lead on the inside of this mighty woman of God, an anointing to change a city, an anointing to disrupt businesses, to disrupt things that she steps into. In Jesus' name, I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for renewed. I thank you for renewed in Jesus' name. I thank you for something new. The breath of God. When God comes to Ezekiel, says, can these dry bones live? And God breathes new life. I thank you for new life right now in Jesus' name. Right now. I thank you, God, for this faithful couple. I thank you that you see them, that you're with them, that you're anointed them in Jesus' name. Thank you, God right now. Anointing fall. Anointing fall in Jesus' name. All right, listen, we're, we're going to just pray for your campus pastors, and then we're going to go into this song right now. So just stretch your hands out to your campus pastors. God, I thank you again. I thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing in their life. And I see even what I said before, that, that mustard seed, that God has taken that mustard seed that's been in your hand and been in your heart. And it's been a seed that nobody can see, but he's turning it into a tree that nobody can hide. God, I thank you for a peace, knowing that everything is in your hands. 
a peace to not have to worry about the small giants and to only focus on Goliath. I thank you, God, that you're giving them a laser focus right now in Jesus' name. A laser focus to do what's never been done in East County, San Diego. A city for Christ. A city on fire. A city that leads the way. I thank you, Jesus, that provision comes, blessing comes, favor comes, anointing comes. I thank you for a bunch of armor bearers rising up around them that can carry the torch and help them do what's never been done before. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray right now. Everybody in this place, I want you to lift up your voice as we sing this song. Come on, God, we thank you for what you've done tonight. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your strength. We thank you when you could have looked somewhere else, you chose us. God, we pray that you continue to use us. God, I pray that we would continue to live our lives that is worthy of a manner of you choosing us every day. God, I pray that you would give us the faith to see what nobody else is seeing. You would give us the strength to do what nobody else is doing. God, you would help us to look and to see. God, we thank you for the city of San Diego. We thank you for our nation. We thank you for the leaders that you're raising up, the people you're choosing, the things that you're doing. We thank you, God, that you're giving us strength and favor and blessing and provision that the greatest days for our lives in our city are still ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.